Well, thank you so much, worship team. That was an amazing worship set there. I am so glad um, to be sharing the word with all of you today online. Uh, as you might know, we are actually in person as well as this online service is going on. So uh, if you're not in person, no problem. We're so glad that you're able to be here today. And being able to listen to me preach for the very first time in person, but the second time online. Um, I know there were a lot of jokes out there about how my hair was uh, on my first sermon to TOB. So I hope and I'm glad that my hair is all good to go uh, to be sharing the word this fine morning. Um, before I go on, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Ken for giving me this opportunity. And how amazing has the Reboot series been? Like, so timely, perfect time that we needed it. And definitely as we came into opening up the church, as well as the province and the country started opening up, this series was really what we really needed starting off. Um, just to recap on what Pastor Ken's been talking about, he's been talking about um, the reboot after spending several months in isolation, uh, in the pandemic, in fear at home, with so many things being shut down. You know, we had to rearrange things. We had to, you know, there were so many uncertainties when it came to work, our school, even at home. Um, but that goes with in the important understanding of coming back to the new reality, right? You know, we're, we're wearing our masks again. You know, we had to continue to wear a mask in public. Um, this physical distance is still there. Uh, washing your hands, hand sanitizer, still in, in, in that presence of what you got to do. But we're in this new reality in a different world. And we just don't need to pivot. And when I think about the word pivot, and any of you who watch TVs in the 90s, uh, even in the 2000s, a very famous show, one of my favorite friends, uh, there's a video, and we're going to show it right now, uh, before, I, before I'm going to just explain a little bit here. But, you know, you got somebody pivoting a couch up the stairs. And as you can tell, the stairs have many ways that you got to go up. Right? There's curves, you know, there, the, you, and the couch, when you're moving the couch really hard, and all you could hear him say is pivot, 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 pivot. And they could pivot all they want, but it's super hard to get that large couch uh, over up that stairs, and pretty much seems impossible. And, it, and we're not going to be showing the full clip, but at the end of the clip, um, or at the end of this whole scene, uh, the only answer that they had was chop the couch in, in multiple pieces and take it up the stairs. So when you read this verse here, for every promise from God is yes and amen, and then you go into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it says, therefore, if anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, automatically you are a new creation. That means everything that is old has passed away beyond all things, amen, beyond all memory, beyond all mistakes, beyond everything in your life is no more. It's in the past. Now it has become new. So when it's coming to rewriting the script of your life, with God, all things are new. Your life can be rebooted. Your life can change direction and begin something much better than it was before. Amen? Now, when I think of that kind of a situation, it kind of brings me back to the first days of school. And there's a lot of people who love the first day of school, and there's a lot of people who hated it. Parents, they love it. 
Why? Because they spent a whole summer going to all these summer vacation places, going to the beach, making sure there's three meals ready for the kids, making sure that they got to take vacation off work and also take care of the kids, go out. Parents are so happy to get the kids going on their first day of school. And then you got some kids who hate it as well because they, they're, you know, they're living this certain lifestyle in the summer when they used to go to bed at 11, 12, 1 a.m. and wake up at 12 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m. And how many of you kids right there who did that back in the day or doing it right now as well? But then you got these, you know, you got a, a lot of these kids who are super excited, right? They're, they're excited to reconnect with friends and be done with the boring summer and the long summer that they had to endure, now, personally, myself, and you're going to see a picture going to come up on the screen there for you, I love the first day of school. Not, not because usually the first day of school was on my birthday, so I know, like, it's going to be a big celebration because, you know, it's first day of school plus Jeremiah's birthday, celebrate, woohoo! But I love the first day of school because I was a horrible student. Go and ask my parents. They hated going to parent interviews for myself from grade one all the way to grade 12. The reason why is because Jeremiah, who's an angel as you can see now, perfectly great kid, when he was in school, not so great. Teachers hated how much I talked in class. Teachers hated how much I disrupted the class. And that was just my personality. I'm someone who's out there. I love talking. I love meeting new people. I love encouraging kids who, you know, normally wouldn't talk. I'll get them talking as well. And parent interviews, when I knew there was a parent interview coming up, I was scared out of my mind. And it was something that really, really, really got me really scared of going into parent interviews because I know when I get home, I'm going to be yelled at so much for talking, and then there's going to be things taken away from me. You know, there's going to be no playing time anymore. I'm going to be in this restricted time, and I'm like, no. But when it came to the first day of school, I came every single first day with a plan that, you know what, this year is going to be the year. I'm going to be amazing. I'm, going to not, I'm not going to be disruptive. My parent interviews are going to be great, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but it never worked out. Now, the three points that I'm going to be sharing with you in rewriting your script of your life is just three things that were actually mentioned in a parent interview when I was in grade four that stuck with me for a long time. I'm going to be giving you the A, B, C's to rebooting your life. And I dare you, I dare you to follow these A, B, C's and this will be the start of your reboot. Pastor Ken has done a great job in really bringing us into that, uh, into this word that I'm going to be sharing with you. And then the next couple of Sundays are just going to be talking about the new world that we're going into. But today I'm going to be really challenging you for three things that my teacher challenged my parents and challenged me personally to be better at school and better rewrite my script in my education. So letter A, or the first point I'm going to be sharing with you, is attitude. Your attitude is way more important than what you wear, and chances are people are going to remember your attitude way after they forget what you were wearing. 
Let me say that again. Your attitude is way more important than what you wear. Chances are people are going to remember your attitude way after they forget what you were wearing. If you want to reboot your life, start with letting God being the change in your attitude. What about your reputation? Who people think you are? When a person hears your name, what kind of images or words come to your mind? Maybe they're good things. Maybe there are some things that are not so good. How can you change your reputation? It all starts with your attitude. A big part of the attitude is how we look at each other as people, right? If your perception of people is tilted a certain way, then you will talk about them or treat them in a different way. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, So then we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently do we know him now? Knowing Christ changes the attitude about him and other people. Without Christ in our lives, we look at others from a worldly, uh, worldly perspective. You know, are they popular? Are they good-looking? Do they smell good? Do they have money? Do they hang out with cool people? Are they wearing the right clothes? But see, God's asking you not to look at what the person has, but what's within them. Amen? God says, I am not going to judge who you are on the outside, but what your heart is like in the inside. So to rewrite the script in your life, you got to have a great attitude going into it. Now, Feel me here. You know, going into this reopening after, you know, a lockdown for so long, a lot of us have taken it, the, you know, our attitude in a different way. What? You know, we go into, uh, you know, we go into a store, right? And, you know, we're making sure everyone's wearing a mask. We're making sure no one's sneezing. We're making sure there's not someone who hasn't, you know, hasn't pumped the, the hand sanitizer on their hand. We're, we're looking at all these things, which is important, of course. But our attitude, what is our church motto? Love God, love others, right? If you want to reboot your life, you got you to gotta love God. Amen? You got to love God. Don't act like you never looked at people that way. You know, you know, you don't want to be a part of the crowd to judge someone's appearance, but you want to you want to have the godly perspective where you love God and love others. He changes your attitude towards people. Amen. Look at the disciples. Right? Every single disciple. I'm going to give you an example here. Matthew was hated by every single person in the village, in the city, and probably worldwide. His name was going to city to city, because they hated him because he was a tax collector. He was collecting the debts that people couldn't pay. So when people looked at him before Jesus, they, they had this attitude towards him. They said, we don't like this guy. We, this guy is against us. But when Jesus came into Matthew's life, amen, people's attitudes had to change. Amen? He changed the attitudes of people when Jesus was in him. When he started following Jesus, he became such a key part of what Jesus does or what he did when he was walking on this earth that when people saw him, they probably were like, oh my goodness, look at this guy. 
tax collector, stealing all our money, the money that we don't even have. And now he's a disciple of Jesus. And we got to follow this guy? Right? Imagine Peter, right? Historically, Peter had a lot of debt. He was a fisherman. He had to go and pay his taxes to Matthew. Can you imagine what Peter would have been thinking when, you know, Matthew joined the group? And Jesus said, hey, this is going to be your brother. This is the guy you're going to go side by side, night, day, or morning, evening. Doesn't matter. He's going to be with us. And this is the guy you hated so much. A lasting attitude changes starts with changing your attitude about Christ. Amen. Today, if you're watching today and your attitude towards Christ is, Lord, you're just there. Or, Lord, you know, I just need you when I need you. Or, Lord, when I'm going through a storm, that's when I call upon your name. That's when I need your presence with me. I'm telling you, today is the day to rewrite the script of your life with your attitude towards Christ. I love how the scripture is written in the, mess, in the version of the message in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. Read with me here. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone, John 3, verse 16, that puts everyone in the same boat. Verse 15, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people lived on their own. Verse 16, because of this decision, we do not evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that, once, that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Amen? Christ's love has moved me in such extremes. Our attitude towards Christ... As you read the Bible, people hated him. People thought he was a lawbreaker. But it says in this verse 15, he gave his life. He included everyone in his life so that everyone could be included in the love, that everyone could be included in grace, that everyone could have eternal life so they don't have to perish but have eternal life. So when we change our attitude towards Jesus, it changes our attitude towards people too. Amen? What do you think Jesus is? Do you look at him just being a good teacher? Do you look at him uh, believing that, man, this guy fooled so many people? Or do you look at him like he's this carpenter from Galilee with a God complex? Or do you, look at, do you hold him in highest regard as the only son of God who lived a sinless life on this earth and died on the cross and overcame death to rescue mankind? What is your attitude towards Christ? Amen? When you know him for who he truly is, it changes you. This perspective of the people in the church were changed because they came into relationship with Christ. They got to know him and it changed everything. See, look at this. When the church accepted Jesus as a relationship and not a religion, people got to understand him more. Amen? In order for your attitude, in order for your script to be written in Christ. Amen. you got to have that relationship with Christ. Amen. See, for my 
my uh, life went in parent interviews, my parents had to come in to have a relationship with my teacher to let, me, let them know, hey, Jeremiah needs to change his attitude when he comes towards school. Because when I have that better relationship with school, when I have that re-imaged of an attitude, a rejuvenated image into coming into school and saying, you know, I'm coming here to learn. I'm coming here to make sure that I have a better education. I'm coming here to make sure I can make the big bucks when I get older. That attitude changes everything. It changes my character. It changes my, 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 my human nature of, you know, disrupting, but more now being more catered toward how can I be better in school. When you know him for who he really is, it changes you. The perspective of people of the church in 2 Corinthians, the perspective that they had, it changed when they had that relationship with God. If you try to love people, and have a good, to, good attitude towards them without first knowing him, it would eventually fall short. If you try to love people and have a good attitude towards them without having Christ in that, there's going to be days when you're not going to be able to live to that attitude that you need to make sure that you love them. That's why God says, first seek the kingdom of God. Then everything shall be added. That means first have God in you. So love God first. Amen. So then you can continue to love others. Amen. Make sure your attitude shifts towards loving people. Sorry. Let me move that about. Start Shift your attitude to loving God. So then it could shift into Loving others. Your attitude going into this reboot, this rescript of your life, the rewrite, is having the attitude shift towards God. Amen? And I'll tell you at the end of how my education ended with all of these things that come into, <laughs> into play. But number two, behavior. I know you've all heard the saying, and please help me out, blank speaks louder than words. And I hope in the bottom of the screen you're going to see that. It's going to say blank speaks louder than words. James chapter 2, verse 17 to 20 says, see, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is not dead and useless. Now, verse 18, James gives us a great example. He goes, now someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. James clearly says, you're crazy if you think believing in God is enough. 
That's literally what James said in James chapter 2. He said, hey, if you think this way, you are absolutely crazy if you believe just believing God is enough. Real faith brings real action. We've seen it in the Gospels. We see it in, in, in the books where Paul wrote. We see it in so many aspects of the Bible, and we also see it in our lives today. When we truly believe in God, our actions reflect that belief and bring glory. Amen? When we truly believe in God, our actions will reflect our belief and will bring glory to God as well. Amen? We have a responsibility to have faith that works. Our actions will either turn people to God or turn them away from God. We have a responsibility to God and to others to live out an act of faith. See, now we've had this attitude that you got to love God and then you got to love others. And now in this whole attitude change and rewriting your script, now you got to change your behavior as well, your physical behavior. How are you going to show that you have faith in God? Well, what James said don't just sit on your couch or don't sit at your chair or in your car or at work or at school and say, hey, I just believe in God. No, it says he wants you to not only believe in God, but he wants you to put that faith in your good deeds, in your good actions. Personally, when I leave this earth and when I see Jesus face to face, I don't want him to look at me and be disappointed and be like, Jeremiah, you know what? I really hope you would have done better. You know, I sent some people your way. You know, I sent the olive branch your way. But instead, you just treated it like it was nothing. Or you ignored it. If you've done your part, they would be here right now as well. They would be healed. They'll be headed to heaven, but now they're lost forever. Can you imagine God just looking at us right there and just saying that? That would just, just make me sick to my stomach. But you truly want to see what I want Jesus to really say to me when I go and see him face to face? You know, you go, you know, right before him, and you look at him, and he goes, Jeremiah, well done, my good and faithful servant. Our behavior matters. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. This is what James was saying in the Bible, and he was saying, listen, you're be, you would be crazy if you thought that was enough. But in order to rewrite your life, and listen, this is your opportunity. We're giving you an opportunity today. God is giving me an opportunity today to rewrite my script in my life is to change my behavior. It is to realize that it's not only about believing God, but it's also be, being able to do good deeds, putting my faith in action. Amen. And you might be asking, how do we do that? Well, you know, our church, we are so lucky that we're able to serve in so many different ways. 
right? We have the amazing kids branch. We got Encounter Youth. We got our young adults. We got our tech team. We got our worship team. We got our prayer team. Hallelujah. We got our city, city street outreach that's just out there that we can go and help out to. You know, there's so many things. There's branch out. There are so many things that we could do to make sure not only do we love God, amen, that we can continue to love others, but also to make sure that our behavior and say, you know what, my faith can make a big impact on so many people. That when Jesus sees me face to face and he looks at me, he doesn't look at my past. He doesn't look what I did before. But he will look at my new creation, within, which is within me, and look at me and say, my faithful servant, you've done exactly what I was looking for. Thank you so much for bringing so many people to heaven. Thank you for making sure that the lost were saved, that the lost will be found. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith without works is dead. Our behavior matters. That was the same thing when I went into school. When that parent interview, they said, Jeremiah's behavior has got to change. He's got to show that he, lo- he wants to learn. He's got to show that he, want, you know, he wants to be there. How can he show it? He's got to put in the work. He's got to be, he's be uh, um, putting in the work. He's got to be involved in our discussions. He's got to be involved in the topics that are being explained. Number three, we got our attitude we're rewriting the attitude here. You, you've now spoke, told yourself, my behavior has changed. Number three, the big C word that everyone knows is the hardest to do. Commitment. What is commitment? When you look at the definition, it says an engagement or obligation, a dedication, a devotion, I know at our amazing church, we got some committed couples. We got committed families who love each other. And if you don't follow through in your obligation, if you don't follow through with your dedication, if you don't follow through in the devotion that you have to your wife or your husband or to your kids or to your grandkids or to your family members, they start to get jealous. And it says in the Word, Our God is a jealous God, and rightfully so. He wants your total commitment. He doesn't want people to serve him halfway. Remember that. You have the attitude. You got the behavior. You're doing good works, but God doesn't want you just to go halfway. He wants all of you. He doesn't want to be a God who's just part of your life. He wants total and complete commitment. Now you might be saying, you know, show me an example, Jeremiah. Sure. Book of Joshua, verse 24. He says, as my family and I serve the Lord, we will fix our eyes on God and faithfully serve. Amen. Joshua was talking to the people of Israel who had been delivered from the slavery in Egypt. Then they wandered through the desert until they finally entered the promised land. They were in the habit of adopting gods, idol gods, and they started worshiping them 
Then when God's judgment would come on them for serving false gods, they would turn back to the true God for a time. They were wishy-washy. They were back and forth. They were in a situation where like, you know, they're in that storm. The life is great. They go into a storm. And when the storm comes, they turn to God and they say, God, we need you. They were back and forth. But God wants total commitment from his people. He, God doesn't want to share you with the world, but he wants all of you and he wants all of me. The problem with religion, and I'll tell you this right now, is that it becomes routine. Sometimes we find ourselves going through the motions and then in need of a reset. Right? Religion isn't why God created us. He created us to be someone. He, he wanted us to be a person who can reflect him. Amen? He wanted, he wanted us to believe in him. He wanted us to belong to him. He wanted to be like him. He wanted, God wanted us to build his kingdom. This is not just an event that happens. It is a lifelong process and continual work of God in our lives. You might, you might say, well, how can I show my commitment to God? How can I show God that I'm committed? Then I would turn to you and say, you know, to the parents, how do you show your commitment to your husband and wife? You know, I asked that to my, my you know, I asked that to my parents. I asked my dad years ago. And he says, well, I show my commitment in saying I love you. You know, I show my commitment in loving my wife. I show my commitment in making sure I'm a provider, a leader. I show my commitment in making sure that in times of trouble, I am there. In the times of happiness, I'm there. Being present in the commitment. You ask your kids, you know, what is commitment to them? They might say, you know, if you buy me gifts on my birthday, that's commitment. Or if you take me out on vacation, that's commitment. But here's what God's looking for you. He wants you to say that you love him. John chapter 3 verse 30, it says, let him increase and let us decrease. He wants you to love him beyond anybody on this world. He wants you to have one-on-one -on -one session with him. Well, Jeremiah, how do I have this one-on-one -on -one session with him? Sit down and pray. Wherever you are, just say, God, I'm, I'm sitting down here. I want to have a conversation with you. Worship him. Praise him. Read the word of God that has been given. That's ways of being committed to him. And through that commitment, you're going to see success. I guarantee this. When you have a commitment with God, you personally will see the script that was, re, that was written by the world, that was written by people, that was, that was you know, was just, you know, um, marked on you. That's all gone. Because when you have the commitment with Christ, all of that's old and you're the new creation. See, Jesus doesn't want, you know, you don't, he doesn't want you to lead Jesus, him. Don't lead Jesus. Let him do the leading and then you follow. 
See, when I put the attitude and the behavior and the commitment in my lifestyle at school, I was able to do better. I was able to succeed. It was able to get me through high school, got me through to university, got me through to learning about the Word of God, having that, that renewed, uh, renewed attitude, making sure my behavior to the things I was doing was shifted to them and them only, and my commitment continuously working on what I needed to do. There are days that you're, you're going to forget these ABCs. But that's the beauty in Christ. He just says, come back. Turn to me. I'm here. I'm ready to rewrite your script today. So will we give him all? Will you be able to give everything to Christ and say, God, whatever was written about me in the past, and as I go into this new, new reality in a different world, can you rewrite my script? And he's giving you that opportunity this morning. One of the greatest reboots in, the, in Bible history is the Apostle Paul. Paul participated in the persecution of, an early, of the early disciples of Jesus. When Paul was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus on a mission to arrest them, he was struck by a light. And he, then he was blind for three days. All he needed was that reboot, the new attitude, new behavior, and a new commitment that saved his life and his eyesight, and he started to look to God. And he's one of the reasons why, and pretty much wrote most of the New Testament, and pretty much know, helps us know why God loves us so much. Billy Graham says, it is not the body posture, but the heart's attitude that comes, that counts when we pray. It's the heart's behavior that counts when we worship. It's the heart's commitment that counts when we serve. Peace isn't found in the absence of storms, but peace is found in the presence of God. So if you're looking for that peace, that love, that opportunity to say, God, my life is a storm itself. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. This COVID-19, this, this lockdown, this isolation really has just taken a lot out of me. Today is your opportunity to rewrite that script. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. The good news is a reboot means God is doing a new thing. So let me pray for you right now. And we say, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. Father, we thank you that when we, oh, Father, do a reboot in our lives, when we, Lord, Father, rewrite the script on our lives, that means you're doing a new thing. And I pray for those who are watching that, oh, Father, that their attitude, that their behavior, that their commitment to you, Lord, Father, is, is changed and recommitted to you. And I, Lord, O oh Father, I pray if they feel that they cannot get away from their past, 
Lord, you have given them the opportunity to come into the new. Everything is in the past, and they're coming into the new. So I pray that upon them right now, their families, their friends, their relatives, Lord, let them continue to see that in their lives. And let them continue to love you and love others as well. In the almighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. In Psalm 103 it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, his faithfulness, his grace, his miracles, his healing, and most importantly, his reboot in your life today. God bless.